Hello and welcome back to Our House, the podcast series that explores the weird and wonderful houses that have appeared on the front of old postcards. For those that haven't listened before, my name is Dr Michaela Hume and I'm a historian and professional genealogist. If you'd like to contact me about anything you hear in this podcast series, you can do so via my website, which is www.michaelahume.com, via Twitter at UnearthThePast, or via Facebook at Michaela Hume. So this week, we are back in Blackpool for the very last time. So sit back, relax, and join us as we go through the door of Hollingworth House. So can you believe it is our last week in Blackpool? I do hope that you have enjoyed visiting these different boarding houses. But next week we move on to Pastures New. So we're going to be travelling south from Blackpool, from Lancashire and into Cheshire. And we're going to be in my hometown of Stockport where we will be visiting a pub. Now this is a pub that I've walked past probably hundreds of times and never knew that it had such a fascinating history. So I really uh, am looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Anyway, back to this week. So this week we are going through the door of Hollingworth House. Now Hollingworth House is what you would describe as a late Victorian villa. Um, It is situated at 72 Albert Road and if you've listened to previous podcasts, the the first podcast, podcast you'll know that we have actually been on Albert Road before and it seems that if you wanted to stay in Blackpool during the late Victorian and early Edwardian period Albert Road was the place to stay and that's why we are back again this week. Now this is the part of the podcast that I know you all tune in for and this is where I make an absolutely terrible job of trying to describe what the boarding house actually looks like. So what I am going to say this week is check out the blog. There are blogs that accompany every single podcast in this series and the blogs contain all the pictures that go with this podcast. So please, please check out the blog. Now this week's house is pretty similar to the other two, especially the one on Albert Road, as you can well imagine. So All I'm going to say is it's on five floors, we've got beautiful bay windows and we have got the net curtains. Now I think I've become a bit of an expert on net curtains and I will say by the thickness of these curtains in the windows, they seem quite upmarket, they seem quite posh. Yes, there are going to be people gasping now thinking that Michaela's become an expert on net curtains but having seen so many while doing this podcast series I can tell you that these look quite posh net curtains. So now you may be wondering well who purchased these posh net curtains? Well I can tell you that the first occupants of Hollingworth House were the Boyer family and they were from, wait for it, Hollingworth. That's right. So they were from Hollingworth. They moved to Blackpool and imaginatively named the house Hollingworth House. Now, the Boyer family took up occupancy of 72 Albert Road sometime between 
1901 and 1903. I can't find that they had any obvious experience of managing a boarding house. When they lived in Hollingworth, they actually owned their own newsagents and stationers. And that was situated on Market Street, which was the main street that ran through Hollingworth. Now, when the Boyer family arrived in Blackpool, it was already a tourist hotspot. And one of the reasons for that is because it had so many attractions. There was Rakes Hall and the Winter Gardens, which opened in 1878. And the Winter Gardens offered visitors all round weather attractions, which included indoor promenades, a concert hall and even a roller skating rink. In 1896, the Winter Gardens opened its gigantic wheel ride, which was 22 foot high and contained 30 carriages, which could each hold 30 people. That same year, the Empress Ballroom and the Indian Lounge opened. There was also the Opera House that opened in 1888 and Blackpool Tower opened on Whit Sunday in 1894. And a year before that, in 1893, Blackpool got its third pier at the South Shore. At the beginning of the 20th century, the Pleasure Beach opened and its origins can be found in the late 19th century when gypsy fortune tellers and fairground stalls were operating on the South Shore. Later, showmen would join the fortune tellers along with shooting galleries, peep shows and very basic mechanical rides. Such was the popularity of the Pleasure Beach that by 1914, the Pleasure Beach was employing 600 staff during the summer season. During that said summer season, Blackpool had more than 2,000 shops open. Approximately half of these were food shops, including 200 sweet shops and nearly 100 fish and chip shops. Anyway, let's get back to the Boyer family. So who were they? Well, there was George, his wife Margaret and four children, Frederick James, Herbert, Lucy and Maggie. Now, unfortunately, and as was common practice for working class families at this time, not all the children survived into adulthood. Sadly, Frederick James and Lucy both died before their fifth birthday. Now, normally when I do this type of research and I'm looking and trying to find the history of these houses, I tend to rely quite a bit on census records and they are brilliant. From 1841, historians and genealogists get a lot of history out of these records. And if you can find somebody on one census and they don't move, which is a rarity, then you can literally plot them back to 1841 quite easily. There were census records before 1841, but these were just more of a headcount. Now, I really struggled with this family to find them on the census record. And that's how I know that they must have moved to the area sometime after 1901. However, I know that they were living there before 1903. Now, the reason that I can't find them on the census record is because I was actually searching under George, uh, the father of the house. And unfortunately, he sadly dies in between the census records. I actually worked out that they must have only been living in Blackpool about three years when he passed away. And he was only 46 years old. 
he left an estate worth £463.15 to his wife, Mary, which is equivalent to approximately £50,170 in today's money, which is no small sum. That's, you know, a lot of money now, and it was a lot of money back then. Following her husband's death, Mary continued to manage the boarding house, and she did this with the help of her daughter, Maggie. Also living under Mary's roof at 72 Albert Road was her son, Herbert, who was now employed as a postman. Now, the last record I can actually find for the Boer family is an advertisement and the advertisement is actually advertising the house for sale and that is in 1916, so midway through World War One. The house, um, in the advert, it says it has 34 rooms and it's only two minutes from Central Station. There is a small piece of evidence to suggest that maybe Mary was ill or she was suffering from ill health at the time they decided to sell the house. And that is because only two years after the sale of the home, Mary sadly dies and she leaves an estate of £900, six shillings and six pence to her daughter, Maggie, which was nearly double the estate that George had left when he had passed away. So I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the sale of the home must have really contributed to the wealth that Mary had acquired in the time since George had passed away. Now, the next proprietor of the boarding house appears to be a James Jowett and his wife. And having a look at the electoral register, I actually think they were managing both 72 Albert Road and 82 Albert Road throughout World War One. During the war, Blackpool managed to sustain some of its visiting public. Its economy was boosted by harbouring refugees, uh, convalescents and even troops in training. Following the war, the next family to move into the house were the Ingham family. George Ingham, his wife Margaret and their children had originally come from Burnley. Now I think they took over the house sometime in 1921. Now in Burnley, George was employed as a boatman on the canal and all his children that were above the age of 13 worked in the local cotton mill. Now life in Blackpool must have been an improvement from life in Burnley. So you've gone from being a boatman, your children are working a cotton mill and suddenly you are living in this big late Victorian 34 roomed house. The family had not lived at the address long when tragedy struck, when the couple's youngest daughter Ellen sadly died. She was only 21 years old. The cause of death on her death certificate was listed as sarcoma of the neck, which is a rare type of tumour. Present at her death was her aunt, Sarah Kay. Six years after her death, the couple also lost their eldest son, Billy, who died at the age of 31. The Inghams remained at the address until 1926, when they left Blackpool and returned to their native Burnley. They remained in the hospitality industry, managing the Adelphi Hotel. In 1929, George Ingham gave up his licence for the Adelphi and it was transferred to a man called Arthur Goodwin. 
Just over a year later, George's wife, Margaret, who had been in continual ill health for some years, died while visiting Blackpool with her youngest son. While the Ingham family were back in Burnley, the Kilner family were happily settling into life at number 72. Bedford and Clara Kilner, knee Finch, were from Yorkshire. They married in Bradford in 1926 and by 1927 the couple had left Yorkshire and moved to Blackpool and were running the boarding house on Albert Road. Bedford was a former miner who had served in World War I with the Royal Engineers. He entered the war in 1915 serving in France as a sapper and sappers were responsible for the digging of trenches and tunnels. During his time in active service, he got injured and was twice granted a war pension. The first pension claim stated that he suffered a 30% disablement and was given the sum of 12 shillings, which is approximately uh, £24-ish in today's money per week for one year. His second pension claim stated that he has suffered 6 to 14% disablement and he was given 7 shillings and 6 pence for 70 weeks, which works out roughly uh, £15-ish, £15.17. The Kilners remained at 72 Albert Road throughout World War II. The 1939 register reveals that Bedford is managing the boarding house with his wife Clara assisting him. Also living at the address is the couple's youngest son, Roy. Now, sometime between 1949 and 1952, a Mrs Potter took over the boarding house and that 40 years or so after Mrs Potter being at the boarding house, the history of it is somewhat obscure. What is known is that by the end of the 20th century, number 70 and 72 were converted into one hotel. Now, the hotel t still stands today and if you go and visit it, you'll notice that there's quite a bit of scaffold in front. I think they're having some work done. But if you look beyond the scaffold and you've got the picture of the boarding house, which, you know, you can find on my blog, you'll notice that it actually looks remarkably similar to its original past. So that is it for this week. We are going to be shutting the door on Hollingworth House and Blackpool. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, next week we are in my hometown of Stockport, visiting a pub that I've walked past probably, I don't know, a hundred times and I never ever knew it had such a fascinating history. So thank you very much for listening. Don't forget if you want to contact me, you can do so via my website, which is www.michaelahume.com, via Twitter at Unearth the Past, or via Facebook at Michaela Hume. Until next week, goodbye.